obviously uh, it is Halloween, which tends to be a little more of a dark holiday, I guess you could say. Um, and so there's, there's two reasons that I feel like, like the Lord has this for us to talk about tonight. Uh, there it is, today. Um, um, I think two, two big reasons. One, um, at Halloween, we, we, we have a good time with it. I think the majority of our, of our church, at least, um, kind of sees it as, as fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, and certainly, I mean, we moved church up, so we obviously see it as an opportunity as well. Uh, but I think we can very easily err on the side of, like, making light of something that's actually very serious to us as Christians. Um, so that's one thing, uh, just for us to really keep keep good perspective on it. I, I think you can, can take uh, the enemy seriously and spiritual warfare seriously and all that kind of stuff. And have fun at Halloween. I think it's possible to do both. So, um, so that's one thing. The other thing is, I, I think that uh, this, what we're going to talk about this morning, is uh, it's a problem right now, uh, in the sense that uh, there's just a lot of like attack that's going on within our church. Um, and now, let me just preface all this by saying, like, I'm not at all. Uh, one of those people that attributes everything to the devil and demonic activity and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that, um, you know, if you have a flat tire, the devil's trying to ruin your day. I think that you drove over a nail. You know, like I think there's just sometimes where things just happen, and it'd be real easy to, like, blame the enemy for stuff that a lot of times is kind of our own doing. Um, however, uh, I, I do also want us to, to always have in perspective the fact there's more going on than meets the eye. And... Um, I'm not at all saying like, oh man, our church is falling apart, or we're just getting ripped to shreds. It's it's really it's a lot more subtle than that, and so um, so we'll get into that a little bit uh, now. So um, in Ephesians chapter six, there's uh, like it just deals with this stuff a lot. Look at verse ten. We're just gonna look at this one verse for a few minutes, and uh, verse ten says, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. All right. If we leave, if we just leave that verse up there for a little bit, I mean, this being strong in Him and not in ourselves, I mean, that's so much of of what we're all going for. What we're all in this together. That um, if you are a follower of, of Christ and you are uh, have been redeemed, you're being formed into His image. I mean, this is this is one of those great just like summation verses. You know, you're like, I want this kind of life. I want uh, my strength to be from him and not from myself. So we're all we're all in this uh, together, and we're all going for kind of the same thing. And um, it's important that we that we have a good understanding of um, some context of what's happening there, because that that is not as easy as like you know we'll just be strong in the Lord and might His might His strength, not your own. Okay, whatever. Uh, you know, like it's like you know that. And you want that, but how? Like, why is that so such a difficult thing to do? And it's it's because like because there is like literally a battle that's going on with within us. Um, when we're born, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know you're we're born separate from God with a sin nature. That's just a natural leaning basically toward ourselves and a leaning away away from God. And since we're separated from Him, we can't do anything about it. Uh, 
the only way to change that natural leaning toward yourself is to have supernatural help. And when you're separate from him, there is no supernatural help. So we're born in this one condition. And um, like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, you know, um, God looks at your life, says, uh, let light shine out of darkness. And you, um, you, you start realizing that, that someone's telling you that there's something wrong on the inside, but you can't see what it is. There's, it's a veil, and so you ask him to lift the veil, and he takes the veil away. And you see your heart, and you see there's nothing you can do about it, and you ask God, can you do something like this? He says, yes. Takes out the heart of stone, puts it in a heart of flesh. And, and you just never look away from his face, and you're being transformed into his image. So something happens when, that was my summation of the last six weeks. Um, so something incredible happens when we're born in, in, in our flesh is what controls us. And now Jesus has taken out our heart, which drives everything. So he's taken out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. So now we have this new heart. When you're, you know, when I, when I grew up, at least it was, you know, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And that like, Sounds kind of oogie at first. Like, you know, it didn't make sense when I was real small. And I got older, I realized, oh, it's not literal. Um, but, but it literally is like now, like the Spirit of God resides in, in us, literally. And so now we have these new hearts, but our, but our bodies and our minds are still old. So new heart, old mind. And, and that's, the, that's the tension. That's the struggle between our hearts and our minds. That's where... That's what goes on. So when we look at this verse and you see that and you're like, okay, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. The reason why that's not so easy is because your new heart is doing battle with your old mind. Okay? The spirit of God in you is battling your flesh. And so there's that tension there. We're caught in the middle. Um, and so we, uh, the ring over the last couple of years, have used this, this diagram that Nate's going to put up uh, to kind of help us to see the relationship between them. Um, now... That's the ultimate warrior, and uh, you know, so in this battle, um, like that—that's us in the middle, like not feeble and weak and whatever. I mean, we're equipped, we're empowered um, because the spirit of God in our hearts is overwhelmingly um, just conquering our flesh. So this side is much much stronger than this side. And so we're kind of caught in the middle. I had a professor that he explained it as like that middle ground. It's like it's God's classroom. Like that's where God teaches us. And over time, we, we learn to, to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And that's where transformation happens. So instead of us, like we're born in just the flesh circle, instead of moving us all the way to just a spirit circle, for some reason, God has allowed there to be overlap, there to be tension. And I believe that that's because um, God gets more glory from a life going from completely self-centered to being God-centered over the span of a lifetime, I think God's more glorified in that than just some like instant jump. Because an instant jump seems fake, but a, a transformation over time, you know only God can do that. And so when, when Debbie comes up and talks about you know, Jesus Christ has, having the power to change any human life, and that's what's on the top of our prayer cards, I mean, that's really a belief of ours. But that ha- happens over a lifespan, and that happens in this situation and this this is the that's the battlefield right there this is where the battle takes place and so because we're caught in that tension when we see a verse that says be strong in the lord uh, and in his in his I forget exactly what it says be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might 
um, we see that, and then we can't just, we don't launch into that without there being some sort of resistance there. Because the Spirit is driving that. The Spirit sees the, sees the Word, and the God in us is moving, and whatever. And you see that, and you want that, but your flesh somehow is still resistant. That flesh is, it's, it's been crucified, but it's not dead. And so it's, it's literally like it's dying a slow death. And so what, what we try and do is constantly feed the Spirit in us through the Word, through prayer, through worship in all forms, through serving people, through, I mean, everything. Um, you feed this, and that starves this flesh. And so it just continues to die this slow death, and it just gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. But the problem is that we find little ways to, to like nourish the flesh side so often. And so all kinds of little things that, that, that we do and we're involved in um, have a way of just kind of like slipping uh, vitamins, you know, and nutrients to that flesh. And so instead of it dying a slow death, we kind of maybe sometimes empower it and give it strength. And so at times it seems like the flesh is actually stronger than the spirit side and whatever. And that's, that's that tension. That's that battle. And that's why, like, you can, you can leave community group or leave uh, your time in the Word with God or leave a worship service or something like that, and you just feel like, I mean, sin is just the most irrational, stupid thing ever. But if we then uh, go into days and days and days of feeding our flesh and watch the stuff we shouldn't watch and talk about things we shouldn't talk about and uh, not taking our thoughts captive and all this kind of stuff, next thing you know, by the you know, couple of days, you're, that sin seems to be almost taking over. And so there's, there's the tension, there's the battle. Now look at the next verse. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil, okay, Nate, if we go back to the diagram, the schemes of the devil um, are, are all the different ways that this side, the flesh, is uh, fed and continued on. Okay, Now I believe that there are plenty of things that we just do on our own that we we don't need an enemy to like contribute at all because that flesh that's our our natural leaning toward ourselves so we're already uh, like we have a, enough of a battle going on without uh, anybody helping this side we do a, we struggle enough to not feed the flesh and all that kind of stuff so so there's a natural leaning in that direction already what the enemy does when it says the schemes of the devil uh, you, you kind of hear three three kind of I don't know, different forces that, that exist that kind of feed this side. One of them is the enemy himself. Um, and uh, then there's, uh, there's the world. And then there's, there's our flesh, which we already have. So one of those three is already in effect. Okay? We have an, an enemy who uses the world and, and appeals to, to our flesh in various ways. Okay? So when we say the world, we're, we're talking about like the entire like the arena of human activity. That's out there, okay? The fallenness of the world, everything that opposes God, rebels against God, and and pushes one another toward like self-centered living. All right. So we talk about the world. That is uh, the world of like take like like advertising is all about companies making money by convincing you that you need their product. So it's driven by greed, and it's using your self-centered leaning uh, to like. To influence you to you know buy stuff you don't you know all that kind of stuff, so that would be the world, okay? Um, and so here's this fallen world full of fallen people and all this stuff that's going on. So 
that is like the devil is the prince over that. Like he rules over that. So he definitely has a role in continuing that self-centered everything that's going on. And so our flesh is influenced one by itself because it's flesh. Then the enemy uses the, the world and all the things that we watch and we sense and we see and all that, all our experiences. He uses all that to appeal to our flesh. And then he himself comes in and lies and twists things and tries to misrepresent and whatever. All the, like in community group, we're talking about the false narratives. All those false narratives about God basically lies, like we think God is this way when it's actually not. That, he's the author of all that stuff. So we experience something, and he's the one that's telling us, that, yep, God, you can't trust him. God's on a swivel chair. You know, God's mad at you. God's whatever. So he's fueling all that, and he's fueling the world, appealing to our, our flesh. So when we're looking at the battle, all right, empowered by God, uh, completely new person, transformed, new heart, old mind, um, but this side of the equation is where the enemy just goes crazy. And so... Those are, are his schemes, are all the ways that he can influence our flesh to keep us feeding it, to keep uh, the spirit from winning, to keep our transformation slowed, and just to frustrate God's, God being glorified in that lifespan of transformation. That's, that's the devil. That's why we cannot jokingly you know, go through Halloween and trivialize this stuff to a degree where we... Uh, where we lose sight of what's really going on and the fact that there really is a battle happening. And this is, this is where the battle takes place. And you have an enemy who's working overtime constantly to appeal to that flesh. Now, there's a lot of really great things happening with, within our church right now. Uh, when, I mean, we're, just, we're, just, we're in a, a spot. There's just a lot of fruit, and there's nothing wrong at all with saying, like, hey, hey we're, we're having a good stretch right now. There's just some... Things we've been praying for and hoping for for years that we're seeing happen. Um, that means that uh, the devil's working overtime right now on us. Where God is is just super active, so is the enemy. And so we have to recognize the fact that there are schemes. There's all this this cunning, you know, and all this like whatever that's happening on this side of the equation to try and frustrate that process from happening. And so. Paul tells him, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So, so here's, here's what it looks like, all right? Um, schemes of the devil, standing. Let me, let's go back to the diagram. Let me show you how, how this works. Um, here's, the, here's the scenario, all right? Let's say you buy something from Walmart uh, where the devil's at work. Um, no. Um, you buy something from Walmart. Let's say that it's like $150. Even, okay, what are the chances? And so you go and you buy something for $150, you get it home, you don't like it, it doesn't work, whatever. Uh, you go, you bring it back, and uh, you, you know, get your, get your cash back or whatever. You get out to your car, you put the money on the seat, and you realize that instead of $150, I gave you $250. Like there's like 200 like kind of stuck together. Cashier missed it, whatever, and you're sitting there. Um, here's, here's how things work. Your natural flesh, all right, no devil, no whatever, um, your natural leaning toward yourself says, keep it. It's a hundred bucks. So you're already, like that tension's already there. Spirit's saying, go inside, take it back. Flesh is like hundred dollars. Like there's something in us, especially when money's involved, it just rises up. I mean, Jesus 
personifies it as like a demonic force is money. And that's why like we turn into like, you know, Smeagol or something like whenever we see it, like there's like this something else uh, or it might be Gollum. I can't remember. I can't keep them straight. Uh, I know nerds will correct me afterwards. I'm sure it's Gollum. Uh, and so um, it is Gollum in it. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, and so, so something rises up in us. All right, so, so let's say that, uh, they, let's say that you're actually, you're having that moment of tension in, you know, in your truck. Do I bring it, do I bring it in or not? Spirit's saying yes, flesh saying no. Here's where the schemes of the devil come in, all right? The, the enemy himself begins to appeal to that, to your flesh and begins to lie to you and, and twist things. So the lies, like, they'll become like, yeah, but think of, think of what all the stuff you can, you can buy. I mean, like, you know, the economy's bad and, you know, whatever. Um, so, I mean, like, you could, you know, he's appealing to you that way. Or um, he's, you know, comes and says, like, it's, it's Walmart. They're never going to miss $100. They throw hundreds of dollars worth of stuff in the dumpster every day. Like, don't, don't worry about it. It's just Walmart. They'll, they'll never miss it. Or the false narratives come in about God and be like, see, you brought your tithe into the storehouse. And God is rewarding you. You've had quiet times every day this week. And God has blessed you through the error of some cashier at the price of Walmart, who's like, you know, they're all corporate greed anyway, right? So you're sticking it to the man. God is sticking it to the man through this cashier's error to you. And so when we're in that moment and that battle's going on and we begin to kind of rationalize things, all right, that's, that's the enemy. I mean, that's, that's it. And then he uses the world because that's when you start, like, all of a sudden, all these commercials start to come back. Like, oh, wait, there's this. I, mean, I could buy lots of ShamWows with $100, you know, or um, you start to think about some, something that someone else had or something that you saw one day when you're at Bass Pro and you're like, oh, if I only had $100 even or whatever, and all these advertisements come back or things that people were wearing or people had or whatever, um, all those influences of the world begin to come back and the devil's just throwing that throwing that at you. So in that moment, you, you have your own flesh to deal with plus lies from the enemy plus the influence of the world that's all about materialism and stuff. That's the schemes of the devil. Now, you may never get, you know, a hundred accidental dollars from a Walmart, but that same stuff plays out in like, every scenario where that, that tension happens. Every time temptation comes up to sin, those factors kick in. And it's not, you know, I mean, again, we're, we have enough issues with just the flesh, but we have this enemy that's there to frustrate that process and complicate things. And so that's what his schemes look like. And so what we had to figure out is, okay, how do, how do we stand strong against the schemes in, in that situation? Because, I mean, that's just, that seems to be, just be amped up, you know? How does the spirit win out in that when those things are so influential and whatever? Um, look at the next verse. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, okay? Just put, put this to the side, but, but 
the language there about rulers and authorities and all that kind of stuff, um, what he's telling them is like, look, your battle is not against each other. The battle is happening in a realm that you cannot see. When it says at the beginning, it says, uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood, being in that verse. Um, what that's also telling us is that when we, when there's like, when we're opposed to each other, we're really not opposed to each other. Like we're distracted. So I think that what we talked about a minute ago, that internal battle is happening with all of us all the time. Here's another way where the schemes happen is when we are turned on one another. Okay. So let's, same scenario. Let's say you keep the money, okay? Uh, you keep the money, and you go and you like you you buy something that you've been wanting or whatever. Later on, you're like telling your friend the story. You're like, "Oh my gosh, the cashier, you know, whatever, hundred extra dollars, you know." So I went and I bought. Let's use a fishing reel, okay? Uh, went and bought the fishing reel, and you're the friend that you're telling is uh, just in shock. One, that you didn't take the money back. But even more than that, because this friend is also having this battle, uh, the thoughts become, didn't I loan you a 100 bucks last week to pay your, your light bill? And you stumble on $100, and instead of paying me back, you went and bought something for yourself? So now you have one person who's given in to the battle, and you have another person who the battle is just beginning. And so the enemy is now lying to your friend and saying all this stuff, and it's like, can you believe? I mean, that's why you can't trust people. That's why you. That's why you don't loan money to people. It, that's what being a Christian is. I mean, it's it's everything. And if that person gives in too, and and the confrontation goes down, and the, and the wrong spirit happens, and it's like, what in the world? Like you should have paid me back first. And then this person is also in the flesh. And next thing you know, the two people are battling each other. And the enemy sits back and he's like, mission accomplished. Division. They're battling each other and they don't even realize that I'm here. They don't even realize that I've used the world and my own lies and appealed to their flesh. They're just totally clueless about it. And when that happens... There's all these fractures that happen among us, relationally. And that's one of his most effective schemes within a church body is somehow convincing us that the battle is against flesh and blood, that it is against one another. Now, in that scenario, you have the, you know, you were wrong, and your friend was wrong. But if your friend had reacted correctly and confronted you biblically in the right spirit, in the right way, and you're still in the flesh, you would have reacted wrong. So then there's still division. So it really takes both people in those scenarios to starve the flesh by feeding their spirit so that the sin issue never takes place. And what has to be realized here is that whenever whenever you have your own battles and you have to recognize that, recognize the schemes and all that kind of stuff, but whenever someone does something to you and your reaction is to go at them, what this verse tells us is that we should we should halt that process. We should realize, you know what, as much as I just want to tear you apart um, with my words and maybe even with my fists, um, that's not the real battle going on here. The real battle is the enemy 
trying to convince me something is not true about our relationship and about our friendship. And we have to recognize that. I mean, think like all like married couples. I mean, think about that. You have an enemy who wants so desperately for your marriage to just be like totally mediocre and for you to totally settle. And so he'll come in and lie to you and all that kinds of stuff to frustrate things. And, then, and think about how many times you like couples end up in a fight and you're really you're you're focused on each other instead of recognizing, okay, there's a sin issue that that we need to deal with and work through, and there needs to be forgiveness, and we need to work through all that involving Jesus in it. But also there's an enemy here that's trying to keep that process from being worked out. I mean, think about how like how much change that could bring about if there could be a recognition of the fact where our battle is not against each other. Our battle is flesh versus spirit and an enemy that's trying to complicate it. Think about in in friendships. I mean, think about how much just an awareness of these schemes would reduce the drama that exists so many times. Think about in in your relationship to like our church or the church in general. To be able to recognize his schemes to try to turn you against the bride of Jesus. I mean, it's everywhere. And if if we can, if there can just be illumination about this, you know, like if um, if we just bring those schemes out into the light and be able to just like see them for what they are, um, like we won't fall for them. And so we're, we're trying to stand strong in him and not in ourselves. And there's an enemy that's coming against us, and he's appealing to us, and he's also trying to pin us on each other, and he's trying to get away from it. And look at the next verse, uh, 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. The whole armor of God. Now, the next couple of verses, you know, it talks about, you know, the, the helmet and the shield and the sword and all this kind of stuff. And I, I grew up like hearing this and having like somebody come up on the stage and they would like dress up a soldier, you know, with all the parts and stuff, or you have like a diagram or a felt board or something, you know. Um, and so most of my life I've, I've concentrated on the six pieces of armor instead of the fact that it says the whole armor. Like, Paul treats it both as six individual aspects, but he also treats it as one solid, like, thing. And so I, I think we have to make sure that we see it both ways. That God has given us a full suit of armor for the battle that takes place. And so Paul's saying, like, if you want to stand firm, you want to to fight through that tension and not fight each other and not even fight internally. You want to starve the flesh by feeding the spirit. You've got to stand firm and you have to recognize what God has given you and you have to use it. So these next couple of verses, he describes what it is. 14. Stand therefore having fastened, uh, having fastened on the belt of truth. So here's the first one, truth. Uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, all right, righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, all right. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, 
in which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right? So there there are the six uh, areas that Paul identifies. Like, And I really think he's, he's trying to, to say, like, look how incredibly equipped you are for this. And you have to you have to own this. I mean, that's that's what the battle looks like. It's like how do you how do you step into the reality of who you are? So the devil's scheming and all this kind of stuff, and you want to fight it? Well, be who you are. Take advantage of the, of the like entirety of the redemption that Christ has provided for you. So He's given us truth. I mean, that's been one of the most effective things for me lately is like whenever whenever I sense that, that tension's there, I really have to say, okay, what's false and what's true about this situation? And just, I mean, when you ask, you start asking yourself that, you feel that tension or whatever, you're sitting in your truck with the money or you're, you know, want to like, you know, go against your friend or something like that. And you, if you have the self-control to stop and to say, what's true, what's false in this? Once the lies are there, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, well, I see the lies now. Most of the time, we're just rolling through stuff so quickly that we don't take the time to do that. So what's true? The breastplate of righteousness. Who, I mean, who are you? You have the gospel of peace. How God has made you one with him through the exchanged life of Christ. You have the helmet of salvation. You're you're saved. You have the shield of faith. You're hiding behind the like, like the trust. Like I'm gonna hide behind God, basically, as the arrows are coming. You have the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. I mean, you have the scriptures. You have something tangible to hang on to. So he's pretty much saying like God is taking care of like. Everything to prepare you for this fight. He's healed you on the inside. He's equipped you. You have His Spirit inside of you. You're empowered. You're equipped. You have the Word. I mean, you have everything that you need. And so, while it's real easy to get like kind of overwhelmed by the the two circles in the flesh and the, the enemy that's so appealing, all this kind of stuff, the reality is, like, you are really the ultimate warrior. I mean, you're like. You're good to go because he's made you good to go. He's made me good to go. And so what does it come down to for us? If we see see the armor as six pieces, we also see it as like one solid preparation for that. Then why why is it that so many times it seems like the battle is won by the flesh side? Um, why, why that happens is pretty obvious. How do you keep it from happen, happening? Look at, at the next verse. He lists all the all the pieces of armor and all the ways God has prepped us. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that, my, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may, bold, I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Verse 18, I mean, praying at all times, uh, like that, that's, that's the key. 
for us. And th this is what he's, what he's getting at. Um, like, just the act of prayer, that's how verse 10 becomes real for us. That's how our strength is found in him and in his might and not in ourselves. Because when you pray, I mean, your prayer is a submissive act. When you pray, you're, you're acknowledging, when you play, when you pray right, uh, not that you can pray wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, when, when we pray, just that act is us saying, I am completely surrendered to you. So one thing we can figure out is that, like, when the, when the flesh side is winning, it's almost 100% of the time because we're not praying. We're not praying for our own battles. We're not praying for our friends. We're not praying, praying with our friends. When there's conflict among us, we're not involving Jesus in the resolution of it like he tells us to. And so, like, prayer is, is how that happens. Prayer is also the way that that, we step into that full armor, um, like in a, in a heart and mind sense when that lines up. And that's, that's how that happens. So if you're like, I, I want to put on the full armor of God every day, well, that, that happens by prayer. So prayer had better be a part of, of your life. That's really what you want. And prayer is where this, the schemes become so obvious. When you pray through a situation, you pray with someone through conflict, um, we're bringing the Spirit into that. We're stepping into who we are. We're submitting to Him. We're connecting to who He is. We're connecting to who we are because of Him. And those schemes, they just sound stupid, you know? They sound like the, you know, the, like email that you get every now and then with someone, you know, in Dubai, you know, who, um, wants you to like help them release all this money and they'll give you half of it or whatever. And you get those emails from, from some, someone and you're like, I don't know. You get, you get some sort of scam. You get somebody come up trying to scam you. When the scam is terrible, of course you don't fall for it. It's when the, it's when the scams, like, it's when they're real appealing. When it's good, that's when you, that's when you give into it. And just, I mean, us being located here, I mean, you probably get people come up to you from time to time, uh, you know, asking for money and they always have these really good stories. And sometimes it's like so compelling. You're like, I need to help. I need to help this dude out. Sometimes it's just so far, just so far out there. I mean, you just you can see it coming a mile away. When we're praying, the schemes of the enemy, it's like those really, really lame, like scams that people try to run. You're like, I know what this is. This is a lie. This is the world. This is appealing to my flesh. I mean, this is like bringing that out of me. I know what it is. Because you've been praying through it. So if you go back to the original scenario, you get to the truck, you see that you have an extra $100 there. If you launch into logic mode, the flesh is going to win. If, if you launch into prayer mode, and you ask Jesus, all right, Jesus, what, what do you say about this situation? You step into the armor. You are relying on his might and not your own. And the schemes of the enemy become really, really obvious. 
And it, there's just there's nothing in you at that in that moment that wants to do something other than be obedient to the Lord. And so a lot of times our problem is it's it's the prayerlessness of our lives that gets us in trouble. And the solution is I just I mean to pray. I mean that's that's it. And it seems so simple. But the schemes of the devil would not be so effective if it was happening to the degree that it needs to. And so I, I think for us, like just to um, to be able to to see things for what they are, to shine that light on, to let God come in and, and like show us what's going on. That's going to happen when we begin to to just pray about everything. But really, when the, when the tension rises up and you you feel that whatever in your own life or trying to go against each other or whatever, but you recognize we have an enemy. He, I mean, he wants to destroy us. But more than that, he wants the glory of God to be diminishing in our lives. And anything he can do to complicate that, frustrate that, he's going to do it. He's going to lie to you. He's going to use the world. Um, he's going to appeal to your flesh in any way that he can. But let me let me read you something that's just super important to keep in mind. It's in Colossians. It says, uh, "See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the uh, the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ." For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you've been filled in him who's the head and who's the head of all rule and authority. So in the other letter, Paul's talking about the the rulers and the authorities that we battle against, and this is saying that he is the head of all that. It says later on, and you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That every sense of battle that's happening on that flesh side, Jesus trumps that. He's conquered that. So yes, we have an enemy, and yes, he is powerful and all that kind of stuff, but he is a dog on a leash. And the Christ in us rules over that. And the Christ in us will win every single time when we submit to him and we pray about things. And if you think I'm lying, you just start praying and you see if change doesn't happen. If there's tension between you and somebody else, you start praying for them and they start praying for you and you start praying together. And you, you, you come and you talk to me if that doesn't work. I don't know what we'll do. We'll figure it out. We have an enemy, and he is real, and he wants to take us out. But he's already been defeated and subject to public shame, which happens in our lives when the transformation process rolls forward. We shame him over and over and over again, and Christ is glorified. That's what we're going for. Let's pray together. Let's, let's stand up. How about that? Father, thank you for um, for the victory that is yours, um, and I thank you for that because 
because uh, you let us participate in that. Thank you for the ways that you have just so clearly won. And God, in our lives, um, we want to see that victory just played out. I mean, we want to be um, a part of the way you demonstrate that you rule over all those authorities and all that kind of junk. I pray that that would become evident through the way that we live our lives. Father, we know that we have an enemy who is real and is trying to discourage and frustrate you you being glorified through our transformation. God, I, I pray that this would not be something we would be flipping about, but that we would begin to pray like there's a war going on. God, and even, I mean, in, in these moments that we would not just, even just cast this aside as being a non-factor, because every one of us who is in Christ has this battle going on. Just because sometimes we don't feel it or sense it or whatever, we just kind of convince ourselves it's not going on, and honestly, that's one of the schemes. It's convincing us that we don't really have an, en- an enemy or whatever. So, Father, I just just pray that everything will be brought into the light in our minds. And that who you are and what you've done would just shine forth. That we would just continue to become a people of prayer. Who submit to you, step into more and more who we are. I just pray, Father, that the schemes would, the enemy would just be so ineffective. They would just drive him crazy. Help us to always keep in mind, Father, that you have won. And although he may win little battles here and there, I mean, he's a defeated enemy. I pray that we would just see things for what they are and push forward into your glory more and more. And Father, even as we sing, I pray that pray that you would just, just hide, hide this word in our hearts. 